How's it going? No, 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 Batman. No, 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 no. The Batman. I don't think this is the Batman. This is just a Batman. <laughs> One of many. <laughs> One of many the Batmans. Get them all together, have a Bat multiverse. Uh, that reminds me, I've been watching uh, Miyazaki films. How's Moving Castle? How is played by um, the other Batman, the Nolan North one? What's his name? Nolan North Batman? Am I the right director? Oh, you mean Christopher Nolan. Uh, Christian Bale. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Christian Bale. Yeah. That's, <laughs> okay. I just completed the names. Yeah. I was, uh, was going to say, Nolan North is, uh, he's in this movie, but. Uh... Oh, yeah, right. Both <laughs> the men are in this. Nolan North and Troy Baker, both men are in this. Yeah, the, the men of, of video games. The two the voice actors. Men. <laughs> the two voice actors known to man, exactly. <laughs> You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the spin-off Doctor spin-off podcast. You were lucky, I was toying with the idea of doing a long introduction in the style of 1966 Batman narrator. Today we're joined by our first returning guest to the podcast, perhaps in the manner of a batarang. We're joined again by Rose. Hello. <clears throat> Excuse me, my voice is shot. And of course, our old chum. The Boy Wonder, our other nickname for Robin, we have Daniel. Holy... <laughs> Damn it, I fucked up. Uh, holy, pod <laughs> holy podcast, Batman. I, I think Robin should say, holy fuck, I fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> That's the Robin we all need. Batman, the man, the bat, the man who is the bat. Today, we look at one of his finest Bat cinematic achievements, Batman Assault on Arkham. Wait, I hear you object, gentle Bat listener. How can this possibly be within the admittedly loose purview of this podcast? Well, this 2014 animated movie is set within the Bat universe of the Batman Arkham series of Bat video games. So that uh, series started with Batman Arkham Asylum in 2009 and continued with Arkham City Origins Night. This ostensibly serves as a bridge between Arkham Origins and Arkham Asylum, but I'm very much unconvinced by the continuity, as we'll get into later. Rose, what's your history with the Batman and the Batman the Arkham games? Well, I've played all of those Arkham games to completion including Origins, which people are kind of hard on, honestly. It's a pretty good game. And yeah, I've seen most of the DC movies, and yeah, this one's kind of... We'll get into it. <laughs> and what about yourself, Daniel? Yeah, so I'm a, I'm a big uh, Batman fan. Definitely much more towards the, the animated side of Batman. So I remember when the Arkham games, or at least the first game, was first announced, it had piqued my interest due to the inclusion of the cartoon continuity voice cast and i was like okay let's see what's going on here and the art style of that first game i was like i just can't i can't get into this and i i think i did play about two hours of arkham or no not arkham origins arkham asylum as a rental and i just i was like this this is just not for me I eventually though i did get into the gameplay style when uh, it came to spider-man mm, yeah they really innovated with Spider-Man <laughs> on that formula. 
I've played the Arkham games. I think I was initially, I kind of bounced off Arkham Asylum, and it wasn't until a few years later that I properly played through it. But once I did, I really enjoyed it. And then I played City and Origins, and I've got halfway through Arkham Knight, but I'd never bothered finishing it because it just became driving around in the car shooting things a lot. Yeah. You really have to upgrade your tank early in that game if you want to have fun. Otherwise, it's not fun. It is a really good game. Just upgrade your tank early. (laughs) Yes, indeed. And as for the Batman himself, um, I mean, are are you both big fans of him and his motley crew? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Big time. Big fan of the Bat Rogues Gallery and Bat Stories in general. Seen so many. From the comics to... Yeah, for me, I, I definitely recall a, a time I was at a, a party and talking to friends about, you know, comic book heroes and stuff. And I said, uh, Batman's my favorite. And, and my friends were like, you know, why? What are you talking about? And I was like, well, look, he could beat anybody because he's just a psycho. He's absolutely insane. And the reason, my reasoning for that was a Justice League episode where... I forget exactly what the premise was, but this uh, alien robot comes from another planet and starts absorbing all of the Justice League's powers. Oh. They can't get Batman because he's got no powers, and he, in turn, defeats him because he is always carrying kryptonite in his belt. Always. (laughs) He's just insane. That comes up in a lot of stories, like in the Injustice story, it comes up too, because that's like big Batman versus Superman kind of story. Yeah. And it's just like, wait, you just have kryptonite? It's like, yeah, of course. What if Superman turned evil? Like right now. Yeah, he's always ready to go with the kryptonite. Always. <laughs> I think it's Lex Luthor did the same thing and got radiation poisoning. <laughs> yeah, that was, I, I want to say that was the Superman cartoon or was that in Justice League? But either way, you're correct. Batman's superpower is prep time. Yeah. <laughs> Which really, this movie stretches yeah. credulity when it comes to prep time for Batman. <laughs> I would argue that this is not really a Batman movie. Batman's in this movie, but this is a Suicide Squad movie. Yeah. It's it's just a straight up Suicide Squad movie. And Batman happens to be in adjacent to the suicide he's the one that the suicide squad fights sometimes yeah this is this is sort of like in my estimation the beginning of the end for dc of where they like they were becoming sort of a fractured mess of what they were doing with their properties and it's still a little bit together but then you know at the same time they haven't quite gotten the confidence to just release something called suicide squad as a movie so they have to put batman in I feel like it's because there's been these big Suicide Squad movies that are like, let's just keep doing Suicide Squad, but like we have to put more people in it because we're not paying all these actors, so we'll put a bunch of, well, with Captain Boomerang in there. (laughs) Black Spider. (laughs) But this was the first of the Suicide Squad, you know, movies, right? Um, I I know there was a Suicide Squad storyline in the JLU, Justice League United, or Unlimited. Yeah, there's like that series of movies and there's like a couple movies in there that deal with the Suicide Squad as well. They're kind of important to like the overarching canon of the the movies. Yeah, I think you're talking about Suicide Squad Hell to Pay. Yeah, that one. That's rated R, I'm pretty sure. Good movie. Much better Suicide Squad movie. <laughs> that one came out after this. So th- this one I think yeah. is actually sort of the first, you know, movie depiction of the Suicide Squad. And, you know, that checks out with, like, the way they introduce, they do this, like, prolonged, like, two-minute intro for every single member of the Suicide Squad <laughs> with music and everything at the beginning of the movie. 
Like, we've never seen any of these people before. It's like, we know who Harley Quinn is, guys. <laughs> this is this is weird, because it is in 2014, but this is so reminiscent of a 2016 live-action Suicide Squad movie. Like, there's a lot of the same beats, especially in the beginning. So, this was directed by Jay Oliva and Ethan Spaulding. They've both worked on other DC animated movies, but for this movie, they were trying for a different tone uh, from the mainline DC animated movies. They cite Guy Ritchie as an inspiration. And this movie was released just shortly before Warner Brothers started announcing the cast and crew for the 2016 live action movie. Like, I, I would not be surprised at all if that movie just took elements from this one. Yeah, and that's kind of what I, I was saying is this is sort of the beginning of DC schizophrenia where they were like, we've got a story and then now we want to tell it in cartoon and in live action. And I mean, you see this as recently as this year's The Flash movie live action that is the exact same story as the Justice League Flashpoint Paradox movie, but worse, you know? <laughs> yeah, watered down and like, they swapped out main players and stuff. It's like, you know, this story doesn't really work without Zoom, right? Like, come on. Yeah. I find this really strange because it is supposed to be in the Arkham series of games, that continuity. But it's also completely different in tone. And the style, too. The continuity just doesn't work. Yeah, the style, it just does not work. I, I just, I really don't know what DC thought they were trying to accomplish with this the only stretch to like a reference to the game i could even find is like near the end when the villains break out it's like oh there's bane he looks like he did in the game oh there's scarecrow and he looks like he did in the game <laughs> it's like and then at the beginning of the movie there's a guy with a knife and it's like well you fight guys with knives in the game and they're like a special enemy that's that's about as <laughs> close to the game connections that i can get the the classic batman villain guy with knife <laughs> yeah. I will have to go back and check, but I'm pretty sure a guy with knife has the longest fight with Batman. Yeah, I think <laughs> you're right. We begin with a video call between Riddler and Amanda Waller. Riddler is testing Waller with some riddles, uh, with Waller cheating by using Google. <laughs> which is a very Amanda Waller thing to do, I think. Now, she's distracting Riddler long enough to trace his location, which is a plot point, I think, pretty much taken straight from the video game. Yeah. Because um, in Arkham Asylum, Batman does all Riddler's challenges, in order to track his location. I was kind of disappointed that Riddler was just, like, <laughs> thrown in jail at the very beginning here. <laughs> like, he's always so hard to capture in the games because you have to, like, 100% them to get him. Is he locked up in the asylum at the beginning of the first game? I mean, is this sort of, like, saying this is how he got locked up, or...? I think he was there, but then, like, you can go to a cell and it's just covered in, like, question marks and shit. Oh, yeah, he's, he's somewhere in the... Yeah, he's hiding in this asylum during yeah. the events of Arkham Asylum, yeah. Just not in his cell. So, 
A bunch of soldiers storm into Riddler's lair and Waller orders them to take him out and make it hurt. Uh, a soldier begins roughing up Riddler, but the lights go out. It's the Batman, and he does some fighting that feels very much like a fast-paced version of the Arkham Games rhythm-based combat, I thought. It's difficult to describe in words. If you've played the games, you'd know how it's almost like a, a, a rhythm game in terms of how the combat goes. It's like chunky and reactionary and stuff like that, like... Big impacts, and then, like, he's, you know, dodging and recountering and stuff like that a lot, which is a big part of the games. So they they are trying to make some kind of references to the games. I guess another question I had, did they draw him in kind of, like, uh, I noticed, like, some some bolts and stuff on his, like, his joints. Is is he in, like, some kind of power armor that's maybe a game reference, or...? That's another, I don't know if that's a reference to the origin suit, but it's definitely not like the asylum suit like that. I actually don't like the suit in this one because it just looks like a bulky body armor. It doesn't look like his <laughs> yeah. game suits. Maybe it looks like the origin suit. I, I can't remember, but. That's the difference between you and me. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Batman demands Riddler, tell me where it is. <laughs> and Amanda Waller invokes priority level ultraviolet, which I just thought was very try-hard of her. <laughs> and she orders the assembly of Task Force X, a.k.a. the Suicide Squad. Now, a bit about the casting. We have Batman, played by the late Kevin Conroy, but, as we've said, despite Batman being in the title, Batman isn't the lead, and Conroy really doesn't have a great deal to do. I couldn't even barely even tell it was him at first. I was like, is this him? Because it's just, he, he he barely says anything and it's just grunting mostly. Mm. A Batman is just, like, you could have had any generic Batman. Like, I thought that's just what it was. Mm. Yeah, they could have they could have subbed in Nolan North, and I mean, <laughs> it does help sell. This is still from the DVD era of movies. It does help sell the DVD if you've got Kevin Conroy's name on there. But mm. that's probably why they they didn't opt for for Mark Hamill as well. No, I I think this was after Mark Hamill stopped doing the Joker, but then he came back for Arkham Knight, which I remember was a big deal. But he didn't voice Joker in Arkham Origins. Yeah. That was Troy Baker. Who is reprising his role in this. And, I mean, Troy Baker does a fantastic Mark Hamill as Joker impression. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fine. But even the Joker in this, he doesn't even look like the Arkham Jokers. He's just like, the art style is completely off. Yeah, that it is very strange uh, how they do the Joker. Well, we'll get into it. He's not in the movie for a little while, actually. <laughs> um, but then he just kind of takes it over. We also have Amanda Waller, played by CCH Pounder. Uh, she's played Amanda Waller lots of times in various DC media. And she's really good, I think. I think she's a great fit for Amanda Waller. The design of Amanda Waller, she is built like the Kingpin. <laughs> mm. True. Like, she isn't built like a brick shit house. Brick shit houses are built like her. <laughs> I mean, I, I never drew that connection that that Waller could be the DC analog of Kingpin, but I, you're you're absolutely right. It's kind of the like for D and D alignment. That's kind of like a what is it? A lawful evil character. Mm. Hmm. We also get introduced to our Suicide Squad for this movie in a series of short vignettes 
we have Deadshot, Harley Quinn, Captain Boomerang, King Shark, Killer Frost, KG Beast, <laughs> and Black Spider. Now, some of these have been in the live-action Suicide Squad movies. I never heard of Black Spider before. You could have said he was invented for this movie. I would have believed you. So I, I did double check to confirm that he wasn't. I did watch um, all of Young Justice, and he was uh, in a couple episodes of that. And I want to say, Rose, you may know better. I want to say, Black, did Black Spider show up in Batman Beyond? Oh, God, it's been so long since I've seen that. I know in, in Batman Beyond, that's sort of their, like, we're going to do Spider-Man. It's it's called Batman Beyond, but we're going to do Spider-Man. I, I don't remember if Black Spider was in that. But, uh, yeah, Black Spider has been around for quite a while, but it's kind of just, yeah. it. they're just doing Spider-Man, uh, but as a villain, which is kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the wiki here. He literally has, like, wrist mounted web shooters, a known to mock opponents with relentless quips and bantering. <laughs> and he was in he makes a cameo appearance in Superman Batman Public Enemies. Okay. I feel like this guy is like the biggest he could ever hope for would be a cameo. Yeah. I don't know how he managed to get the casting gig in this. <laughs> I don't have no idea. And you'd think he'd be a bigger part. Like he's like a rip-off evil Spider-Man. You could do something with that, but they just don't. Yeah. And like we we we've said before, he was voiced by uh, Giancarlo Esposito post Breaking Bad and they completely waste him. Yeah, he has like a couple lines. He's just like, I don't want to work with criminals. That's it. That's all I have to say. Goodbye. I'm dead now. So he says like, uh, I kill criminals to take them off the street or something like that. And I'm yeah, like, I'm not going to work alongside them. It's like they are, they're kind of telegraphing the the turn that happens later in the movie that, that this guy is basically Batman, but like without the like moral line of I will not commit murder. But they don't do anything with that. Yeah. <laughs> also, I don't think he uses his web shooters at all. No, he might not even have them in this movie. Yeah, he must not. Because <laughs> he just jumps out windows and shit. He's just a ninja. Back to back to Captain Boomerang. It's weird to me that they keep trying to make this guy a thing. Like, <laughs> I know. I know he's like the biggest weirdo of the bunch. It's kind of one of those that like, he's your token, like, this is a weird character to, and it's strange that he exists. But so they keep coming back to that same well in all of these Suicide Squad movies. It's like you have the guy who throws things. <laughs> you got Deadshot. He throws things. You already got the good aiming guy. <laughs> yeah. I think that like this is, in terms of portraying him as an actual effective villain, this is probably the best showing I've seen for Captain Boomerang. Because he actually has amazing throwing skills in this. Yeah. Like, even in the live-action film, he is just drunk Australian man. <laughs> yeah, he is competent. Mm. And, like, he has a, a throwing competition with Deadshot, and, you know, they they match each other, so it's like, you feel like Captain Boomerang's actually earned his place on this team, but the standards for this team are very low. <laughs> yeah. This sequence plays like opening credits, showing the character's real names and villain names, but given the obscurity of the villains, I thought the character names were the actors' <laughs> names. I, I did too. <laughs> I was wondering that until it was like, oh, Harley Quinn is Harley Quinn. Yeah. It was like, Harley Quinzel is Harley Quinn. It's like, okay, these are definitely the character names. But if you have Louise Lincoln is Killer Frost, 
and I'm like, Louise Lincoln could be an actor. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that that was the problem. They started with her first and and then, you know, you you look up on the the wiki later, it says, says Jennifer Hale and you're like, "Oh, they were doing like an in-universe this person is this person." And it's like that's kind of weird, but I get it. We also get an introduction to the score for this movie. Now, a press release says they were trying to do something different from the ordinary operatic superhero score. I don't think dubstep was the direction to go in. <laughs> or, well, there was also that stereotypical, like, uh, Russian music when KGB was dropping. That was pretty good, right? That's oh, different. Yeah. Well, you know, it was the style at the time uh, to, to do everything <laughs> dubstep. It was, it was the era of dubstep that, you know... I. I don't look forward to the eventual resurgence of the dubstep era that'll happen in about uh, probably 10 years, but, you know, it's... And you know it's coming, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, we'll have all the 2010s kids getting nostalgic to the music of their youth, which is... Whoop, 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 whoop. You remember when the beat drops? I mean, literally me, though. <laughs> So the new team wake up in a big white cell. Deadshot, Campin, Boomerang, and Harley Quinn indicate they've already done Suicide Squad stuff. There's a little bit of friction when King Shark attempts to eat Killer Frost, but that quickly turns into sexual tension. I was going to ask, is the uh, fact that Harley Quinn and Boomerang and Deadshot, they've said, uh, you know, we're back at it or whatever. Is that a reference to when they were in the episode of Justice League Unlimited Task Force X? Because I believe those were the ones that were straight up in that episode. It's supposed to be set between Origins and Asylum. And Origins ended with a hint that Suicide Squad was going to get started. But... That was Amanda Waller recruiting Deathstroke, who isn't in oh. this film. <laughs> <laughs> now, Deadshot appeared in Origins, but there wasn't anything to do with Suicide Squad. There is a small hint because Joker remembers working with Deadshot in the past. Yeah, and Deadshot's one of the eight assassins that Joker hired to kill Batman on like Christmas or something. So Amanda Waller appears and orders them all to sit down, and amazingly, they all do. <laughs> I, I first hardly did, and I'm like, that makes sense. But then everyone did, and I'm like, why would you? So Waller lays out the setup. The government gives a bunch of supervillain convicts a suicide mission in exchange for time off their sentences. Though she also says they have no hope of release, so I'm not convinced this is necessarily a good deal for them you got a bomb in your neck man i don't think you got a lot of choices here <laughs> and is the setup always that they that they are only given time off or do they in other suicide squad films are they given you know like you you will get your freedom if you do this one last job yeah, but there's always, like, it, there's almost always a lie. It's like uh, Twisted Metal. Yeah, I mean, of, of course, I would not trust a single word out of Waller's mouth. As he said, she's put a tracker and explosive in their necks to ensure compliance. KG Beast doubts the explosive is real, and he tries to walk out, and his head explodes. And again, this is, like, very, very similar to the 2016 movie, where one of the villains who I refuse to learn a name of, I'll just call him <laughs> Rope Climbing Man, immediately <laughs> attempts to escape and dies. Uh, this is substantially less gory. 
Yeah, they just fully reuse the same exact like setup and test of the setup mechanism. I haven't read Suicide Squad comics. I don't know if they have a formula to them, but this it just seems so like I've seen this story before and will see it again. Now, the mission is to break into Arkham Asylum to steal Riddler's cane, which contains a thumb drive with all the details of past, present, and potential members of the Suicide Squad. I have several problems with this. <laughs> so, number one, obviously there's going to be a twist, because that's how Amanda Waller and Suicide Squad movies go. But this, a cover story, is weak. Why would Waller care that the profiles of a bunch of criminals could be released to the public? Surely Riddler releases them, and then Amanda Waller's like, I don't care, they're convicts, I'm just confusing <laughs> them. Well, I think the threat is, like, it reveals that, you know, Suicide Squad is a thing, which she probably doesn't want people to know, because it's pretty unethical. Oh, you're saying that it would reveal the existence that I'm doing this, running this yeah, like, squad. Yeah, I have gathered all this information ah. past present. Like, it might reveal, like, hey, all these other agents died. And I killed them. <laughs> in the Suicide Squad doing, like, Black Ops. Yeah, I blew up a bomb in their neck when they didn't comply, when they are doing this Black Ops illegal mission for me. It might just reveal her whole operation. As I, it was just what I got from it anyways. Is why everybody cares. That logic follows, but I, I feel like it's a bit of a stretch that's not depicted yeah, in the I text. I don't know why the criminals really care, because it's like, we're all in jail, our records are public. <laughs> and also to counter that, Waller is really, really bad at keeping things secret in this movie. <laughs> Number two, breaking into Arkham Asylum is not a suicide mission. <laughs> no, there's literally games about going into Arkham Asylum. Pretty much canonically, Arkham Asylum has the weakest security of any prison on the planet. It's like a holiday home for supervillains. As we'll learn later, Batman knows the name of every employee. There can't be that yes. many people working there. <laughs> uh, Arkham Asylum, you know, the name of it is Asylum. It is not supposed to be... Like this high, prison. high, yeah, it's not a high tech <laughs> prison or anything that is depicted in the games and and in some of the later movies and stuff. You know, it is supposed to be a place, a refuge for people who are, yeah. you know, not not and with well. it and and yeah. have been ordered by a judge. It's a mental health facility. Right. It's not a prison. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, in the games, it's like big, huge metal doors that like automatically open and stuff like that. Like the most high tech, like Tony Stark facility. Number three, Waller has far, far easier ways of achieving her goal. We do find out later, spoilers, her real plan is just to assassinate Riddler. In that case, bribe one of the hyper-incompetent guards to look the other way while some D-list prisoner called Captain Stabsman just shivs Riddler in the showers. Yeah, that is actually the answer, though. It's just pay a guy to shank him. <laughs> And Captain Stabsman was the one Batman was fighting at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, you broke his arm, I can't send him now, fuck. I will go further. She could just carpet bomb Arkham Asylum <laughs> and kill 10,000 birds with one stone. Well, I think Waller operates in that, like, David Xanatos from Gargoyles uh, situation where she, she wants to present as if she's not done anything. 
you know, she she's a mastermind in the shadows is sort of her her vibe. But she's really not, is the thing. <laughs> she's just blatantly calling everyone and double-crossing everyone. Like everybody knows. And also, dropping a bomb on Gotham is one of the most, you know, plausible deniability things you can do. Just, like, put a smiley face on it and say Joker did it. <laughs> Literally any villain could have done it. Oh no, it's Black Spider again. <laughs> Black Spider, notorious bomber. You don't know, you haven't read his comics. <laughs> Even the people in Gotham don't know who Black Spider is, and he kills them. <laughs> Harley Quinn is on the team because she has an encyclopedic knowledge of Arkham. I don't know why this is necessary, because Waller already has extensive maps of the asylum. <laughs> also, like... They don't even really, like, if she immediately goes, oh, cool, that means I can leave. And they're like, no. So then why is she here? Like, the only thing she does with that information, at, at one point she happens to know one passcode, but, like, otherwise, I don't think it comes up. Oh, yeah, I guess uh, Mayor Sharp is already running the asylum at this point, I think, as well. Oh, yeah, the um from the games. Doesn't she say that it's like, oh, it's always his uh, birthday or something, backwards? Ah, uh, that's a good reference. I didn't pick that one up. But, so Deadshot calls Harley Quinn a wild card, but like every Suicide Squad mission, Harley Quinn is a liability. She just is a liability to have around in general. And sure enough, she just goes off the rails as soon as she sees a Joker. Oh yeah. Who Waller knew was in the asylum. <laughs> now, Waller is going to have the team snuck into Gotham to rendezvous with a power broker to set up the break-in. Waller asks for the body count to be kept to a minimum. That's played straight, but it's straight up ridiculous. <laughs> She's hiring a psychotic killer and a professional assassin, a murderous vigilante, a shark who eats people, and saying to them, keep it, you know, Keep the body count low. Guys. I'd like to point out during that introduction where it's, where it's showing all the characters, King Shark's introduction is a cops enter a room, like a hotel room, where a bunch of bodies are hanging from the ceiling, and then he emerges from a bathtub of blood <laughs> and starts attacking police. And they're like, that guy, he's the one we want to keep the body count low. <laughs> this is a sneaking mission, King Shark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy who can only yell and eat people. That's who we want. Waller says Batman has his hands full on another case, meaning that they might be able to take advantage of that. We'll find out more about what this other case is later. MacGuffin B. I have a lot of problems with the plot. I'm not the only one. Amazon X-Ray has several trivia facts which are just poorly written complaints about the plot. <laughs> For example, fact... Why are there only Arkham guards guarding a maximum security prison with lots of metahumans? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Not only is this very stupid, but it's common throughout a lot of the DC films. And it makes little sense that metahumans aren't the guards, guarding some of the most dangerous criminals and metahumans in that universe. It makes little sense. There are several other facts about the film that end with a variation on this just doesn't make sense. <laughs> I, at least in some of the other movies, they do put like, you know, power restrictor collars or whatever on on most of them. Um, or am I mixing that up with Marvel? I think I think that's a DC trope. 
Uh, I know, I know, like, specifically in the games, they put, like, a collar on Killer Croc, who isn't in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) King Shark and Killer Croc are kind of basically the same guy, huh? Yeah, a little bit, except for King Shark sometimes is, like, anti-hero because he's on the Suicide Squad, and Killer Croc basically never is. Right. Except for that time he was. Well, I mean, they're both killer aquatic animals. (laughs) They should be friends, but they probably hate each other. So, it's very clear at this point, Amazon X-Ray is just straight up copying user submissions to IMDb. But I'd like to think some diligent Amazon worker became exasperated and just added their stream of consciousness to the trivia. (laughs) They no longer work at Amazon. Oh, I don't think Amazon cares. (laughs) Yeah, I I would not put it past Amazon to just scrape the data from IMDb and, and claim it as their own. I I mean, like, I've seen other Amazon trivia quote-unquote pages like this, where it's just clearly some random person pointing out plot holes. I mean, that's what I'm doing, but I I don't (laughs) pretend that it's trivia. Deadshot then threatens to kill Waller. I'm really surprised she doesn't just explode his head right there. Yeah. Like, there's no way around it. Like, he's just like, if you mess with me, I'll kill you. After she's just blown up KG Beast's head. And it's like, you're not in a position to threaten this woman. I mean, I guess she knows that at some point, if she kills all of them, she has no squad. So (laughs) she's got to, you know, the first one was just to like, let them know she's serious. And then after that, she's like, I'm not going to kill any of you. It's like, nobody cared about KG Beast. Come on. Did you really think I was going to use that guy? We already got King Shark. We got a big guy. But in the Suicide Squad movie, because we have Suicide Squad and the Suicide Squad, (laughs) just like Batman and the Batman, Batman. (laughs) James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, Waller is prepared to kill an entire squad of the Suicide Squad to be a distraction for another Suicide Squad. That was actually... Uh, I was not expecting that at all, and that was actually like an interesting turn in that movie. I thought because it came fully out of nowhere that she was just like, "No, I have, I have a full battalion. I'm prepared to sacrifice, <laughs> you know, to to set up you guys." That kind of ties in with this movie. Her having all like these records where it's like, "Hey, I've got other people lined up to be in squads. Like this is just a squad I'm assigning to this mission. She might have other squads in theory." So they could be pretty disposable is the idea. And like Deadshot probably knows that. So he's going to like play along and just kind of make threats, but not actually do anything right now. Yeah. So the team wake up on an airplane and we find out what Waller's version of sneaking into Gotham is. <laughs> it's to parachute the team into the middle of the city. In massive cubes that <laughs> that exploded to parachutes. <laughs> ODST dropping in, basically. <laughs> oh, and she also decides to power trip and scare them a little bit more by, like, not opening the chute. Harley Quinn, of course, just laughing the entire time. Probably, like, the only delight of this movie is Harley Quinn. And because Waller refuses to open the parachutes until the last minute, Killer Frost nearly dies. Now, Killer Frost is the one who is supposed to be fulfilling the real mission of killing Riddler. So Waller is apparently <laughs> trying to sabotage her own secret plan. <laughs> yeah, she's she's double-crossing her own double agent. And amazingly as well, they parachute onto a main city street and then have to walk a few miles through the sewers to Penguin's Iceberg Lounge. 
why didn't Waller just put them in a minivan and drove <laughs> them there? I mean, King Shark is, uh, he, he'd take up the whole back row or uh, <laughs> maybe at least shotgun. I mean, she could have hired an entire, like, city bus. It still would have been cheaper than her parachute-dropping metal cubes into the middle of Gotham. Here's the thing, though. You could just parachute them into Arkham or something, can't you? Like, are you yes. closer to Arkham? Like, why did they get... Why, why Miles? It's a plane. Just fly over there. <laughs> so, Penguin is a power broker. His Iceberg Lounge apparently plays dubstep music, which I would not have picked for the Penguin. <laughs> he, he's normally a bit more sophisticated. Yeah, he's like a classy jazz guy on the note of the soundtrack right after when they're suiting up it's actually like the music that's playing the iceberg lounge is like a remix of the batman beyond theme so that's kind of neat how was it yeah dubstep batman beyond also speaking of wasted talent you have uh john dimaggio as king shark and not really doing a lot with it like sometimes you can kind of hear the bender in his voice that's about it yeah i mean i i think with this metal mouth they were kind of going for like a bender thing but you know i i think They've cast John DiMaggio in different things in the Batverse, multiverse, uh, across mm-hmm. time. He he was super underutilized in the uh, Two-Face um, Halloween one um, as the, who is it, the, uh, the Mad Hatter. Um, mm-hmm. He's just kind of there. And I don't know that they know what they want to do with John DiMaggio, but I think he's just happy to, you know, play ball. And he's like, hell yeah, I'm in Batman. <laughs> I want to be in a Batman movie. Do you want to be in a Batman movie? Yes. Here's a character. Okay, I will play this character. Yeah. He's trying to play a different character in every Batman movie until he's done every Batman character. (laughs) He's playing his own game of Pokemon (laughs) with Batman voice roles. He's trying to get that Batman role, but he's like, I just don't got the chops for it. (laughs) There's a bit here with Penguin having some beef with Harley because she betrayed him in the past and Deadshot convinces him it's bad business to murder a client. You'd think this was leading to somewhere that would foreshadow a later conflict between Harley and Penguin. No, Penguin has one single scene and he's never mentioned again. (laughs) Is he in the games in a bigger role? I want to say, I feel like I remember the marketing. He was was in like uh, Arkham City pretty prominently. Yeah, he's only in the first one as, like, an Easter egg, basically, and, like, there's an endless gauntlet mode, and it takes place in the Iceberg Lounge. And I think, actually, Killer Croc appears in that level as well at some point. Killer Croc is in Asylum. Yeah, he's in Asylum. I think he's also just in that level. If you fight long enough, he shows up, bursts through the ground or something. But, uh, yeah, then he's, like, a main villain of, like, he's running one of the gangs in Arkham City. And again, in Arkham Origins, he's got that fight club ship or something (laughs) yeah so we get the scene here where the team suits up even though they're mostly already in their supervillain suits (laughs) we have a shot of captain boomerang putting on a jacket he was already wearing (laughs) it got warm in here but now i'm cold and we have a bit like killer frost is wearing a leotard and her suiting up is she adds sleeves to it (laughs) <laughs> yeah, well, she was in handcuffs before, so now she's like, I got my sleeves on. I can do my ice magic now. She was cold. <laughs> <laughs> Which they established later that she is just cold as ice. Her body temperature is just the same as a dead body, apparently. So it appears Penguin now provides supervillain tailoring. Yeah, because I guess he had their stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 
Wait, did Amanda Waller ship their stuff ahead to the penguin, but then drop them three miles away so they had to walk through the sewer? I can only presume. It would fit Amanda Waller's character in this movie to do that. (laughs) We also see why they're getting all suited up. It's to go drinking in a bar. They have to go relax before the job. After walking through the sewers to stay hidden, now they're just in a bar? Yeah, you'd think that some of these like heist things are based on like this thing is happening at this exact time and we've got, you know, minutes to go, but this is just like, oh yeah, just go have fun in Gotham for for a day before you go do the real mission. But like what if the Batman just showed up? Like that would just ruin everything. Like and that's what he does all the time. That's kind of his thing. <laughs> I mean, I I'm surprised he didn't show up when half a dozen admittedly C-listers, but Half a dozen villains parachute drop into the middle of Gotham. Yeah, you think he would have got a call. Maybe even Nightwing. Somebody should show <laughs> up to that. <laughs> They'll at least send a bat drone and just check that out real quick. And just, you know, just maybe that might be a problem. That might escalate into something. We also have Deadshot encountering a nude Harley Quinn in, for some reason, a hotel room. So I guess they got some hotel rooms for the night. And they have sex. And this is the first scene of completely gratuitous female nudity, though admittedly it isn't very explicit. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's, it's big time PG-13 energy, but like it was also unnecessary. And I think what they were doing with some of these basically direct-to-DVD movies was they were trying to, you know, capitalize on, on uh, horny nerds. I've actually got some trivia here. The sex scene between Deadshot and Harley was taken from the DC New 52 comics, where they were both members of the Suicide Squad and did the same thing. So it had been done in the comics before. So there was precedent, at least, for them fucking (laughs) on the Suicide Squad. I will say, though, that the two female members of the team, according to Amazon Trivia, and this is Amazon Trivia, you know, when it's not just complaining about the film, Killer Frost and Harley Quinn never share a line of dialogue. Oh, so this uh, movie, this movie fails the Bechdel test. <laughs> it might pass because they both talk to Waller. Mm. <laughs> but are they talking about Batman? I guess they're talking about Riddler. Damn it! <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. There might be a, uh, an exception to the Bechdel test when the two women are talking about assassinating a man. Yeah. Feminism. Also, Amanda Waller is, like, the power play, like, main driving force of this movie, so that's gotta say something. So, part of the plan is to get Harley recommitted to Arkham by her robbing a doll shop. I don't know why Harley can't just walk up to Arkham and ask to be recommitted. Yeah. Hi, I'm Harley Quinn. I'd like to be not crazy anymore. Please let me in. Even though that's not what this place does. My understanding of mental health facilities is you check yourself in, right? So, (laughs) Yeah, that's because this isn't a mental health facility. We've established (laughs) this. Well, they do establish later. She still has a cell that is empty. We kept your room nice and warm for you, Harley. Deadshot could just walk up with her and saying she wants to turn herself in. What are they going to say no? Again, just risking attracting Batman and ruining the whole plan because he'll catch on. Which he still does. And also, Deadshot is the, like, you know, the fake uh, policeman escorting her in. Wouldn't they know what he looks like or at least have, like, a, you know, a a blacklist of do not allow these faces? (laughs) He's not wearing his eye patch thing, so it's like, 
it's like Superman with the glasses. You can't uh. tell it's him. He's wearing a police hat and not not wearing it. So if he was wearing the eye patch thing in the police hat, they'd be like, "Oh my God, Deadshot's dressed as a policeman." But you know, as you said, the robbery attracts the attention of Batman, who again asks, "Where is it? <laughs> Where are the drugs going? Why did you say that name?" <laughs> Harley somehow manages to draw blood on Batman by hitting him with a doll. This is not Batman's greatest moment. There are so many villains who would dream of getting a good hit on Batman. I'm not wearing hockey pads. Harley appears to, like, break his nose with a doll. (laughs) And not, like, a firm porcelain doll. It looked like it was, like, a plush doll. So I don't know how she managed that. I mean, the only explanation is Batman, like, kind of goes easy on Harley. Like, she's kind of anti y so, yeah. I think it's called Batman and Harley. Uh, th- yeah. Like, they kind of team up, so, I mean... Yeah, that's an explicit team-up movie. Perhaps he's got a soft spot for her. There's been a few times where they kind of, like... And almost any time there's, like, either, like, an apocalypse scenario or any time the Joker's, like, died or something, she ends up just becoming a hero. I, there's the Harley Quinn show where she's kind of, like, says, fuck you, Joker, and is an anti-hero and is gay with Poison Ivy. Deadshot calls Waller to ask what the deal is with Batman. Waller responds, Joker stole a dirty bomb and hid it somewhere in Gotham. It has enough radiation to kill half the population. Now hold on one (laughs) back minute. Joker has a dirty bomb. (laughs) Yeah, Joker's gonna nuke the city. Wait, but and also he's definitely locked up. So who's helping him? In this in this fictitious scenario, like who's doing his work? It's not Harley. <laughs> well, he always has like people. Yeah, this is run to the hills, mass hysteria information. Yeah, and most of the cast treat it as mildly concerning. Oh yeah, they treat it as like you know, like a Mario bomb, like whoopie whoopie whoopie. <laughs> <laughs> On top of everything, Joker's got enough radiation to kill half the city. Well, it's a Tuesday. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it is Gotham. This does just happen, like, every week. We see Harley getting sent to Arkham, and we see the road to Arkham Island is a four-lane road bridge. Just how much traffic does this (laughs) asylum get? And again, that's not even consistent with the art style of the games, because in the game, it's very clearly depicted as a creepy old road. No, in this, it's a modern, like, (laughs) road bridge. You know, it looks very well maintained. Arkham Asylum's like one of the oldest buildings, and like, like, it's a cultural site. It should be shut down as a cultural site. (laughs) It's so old. I mean, they they did probably have to reinforce that bridge to uh, to get a big ass tank that is carrying Bane or whoever through there. <laughs> That's probably the explanation, I guess. But <laughs> again, this is supposed to just be—it's supposed to be in the Arkhamverse. It, it's clearly just not. <laughs> it's just not. <laughs> but I can't take it anymore. It's not even it has anything to do with the game at all. We've broke you. <laughs> the next whole infiltration sequence is just wall-to-wall nonsense. Captain Boomerang is disguised as an EMT and takes a nude Killer Frost, she is nude for no reason, into the morgue where they X-ray her on the way in. 
and the x-ray tells the guards that she's as cold as a corpse. Well, her clothes would uh, would generate too much heat. And of course, we have a morgue attendant looking at her and apparently finding her attractive while she's apparently nude and dead. <laughs> Gotta have it. Gotta do it. This movie likes women. Not in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know that was one of the complaints often against, um, you know, the Bruce Tim era of Batman media is that it just was way too horny. <laughs> and this movie definitely follows suit. Yeah. I mean, they did the same thing with Killing Joke and they did the movie. And it's like, hey, let's just add like 20 minutes where Batman makes love to Batgirl. And it's really weird. Right. Yeah, that was really uncomfortable. Especially in, in Killing Joke, it's supposed to be like they have a parental like relationship. It's super weird and unnecessary. And yeah, DC has a track record with not treating women great in its films. We're not even at the worst part of this film for treatment of women, because we're about to meet this movie's version of the Joker. There he is. He is awful. And I mean, I guess I should do a trigger warning for people here, because there's no way around it. Every time he talks about or to Harley, he makes some kind of joke about domestic abuse. Yeah. It's kind of rough. Yeah. They kind of played with that angle in the, like, uh, what is it, the the Birds of Prey movie, where she was supposed to have been, like, a, a survivor of of their, you know, partnership uh relationship that was that was sour um right is is that kind of what they were going for yeah joke and harley quinn are supposed to be like an abusive relationship or at least emotionally abusive and yeah that's why that works when he's actually gone but when he's still around and that relationship's happening it's extra uncomfortable (laughs) right right i mean it's a joker so he's going to joke about things but this is like they're using physical abuse as like quips Right. I find it really sleazy, if anything. That's when I always look at the right. It's like, oh yeah, that's the character being evil, but then I look sideways to the writer and I'm like, hmm. <laughs> yeah, at least with, uh, you know, Batman the Animated Series era of Joker and Harley depiction, it, it always felt like there was an undercurrent, but it wasn't like the the text if you you know what i mean like whereas this is just like no he definitely is abusive to her physically and straight up calls it out multiple times and it's like oh whoa this is the edgy adult version yeah okay yeah i really got the feeling as well that we're supposed to find the joker funny when he's making these jokes and it just oh really not funny he's literally making them to himself when nobody's around so it's just for us Right? He, it, those jokes are for us, the audience. And it's like, well, okay. <laughs> and whereas in the 90s cartoon, they they really, I, I felt like the Joker often came off as, as splitting the line perfectly of, of very funny and very menacing. Whereas this is just like, he's just an asshole. Like, that's what makes the Joker good. It's like he's a charismatic villain and he he rides that like insane line. But in this one, he's just like an outright asshole. <laughs> Yeah, it's very much like the Jared Leto version of the Joker. You know, he's even got paler skin like him, too. So maybe that's where they were going. He's just one sexy damaged away. Yeah, with the with the characters, they they were just they knew that the Jared Leto version was next. And so they were like, okay, well, this is this is where we're going. Because it's not Mark Hamill's Joker. 
It, well, it's Troy Baker doing a Mark Hamill. <laughs> yeah, but it's not even like it's. It doesn't, he doesn't act like the Joker in the games, kind of thing. He doesn't like he's not drawn the same way, like animated the same way, kind of thing. And he doesn't talk with the same like bravado and charisma. He's just kind of like I'm doing my slimy asshole voice. I mean, you're you're completely right. There's there's no way around it. I also note in this scene the guards have a really blase reaction to Harley Quinn stealing a gun and trying to shoot the Joker. <laughs> it's essentially that bit in Matrix, you know, Morpheus is fighting Neil. Like, Harley Quinn seen the Joker. And the guards <laughs> yeah. are just like, look at that. She's got a gun. I mean, from their perspective, they're like, if if he's dead, we don't have to work as hard. I think even one of them calls it out and says like, ah, let her kill him. Yeah. This is why Arkham Asylum has so many escapes. <laughs> And keep in mind, Batman knows the name of every one of these guys who are all standing around doing fucking nothing. Batman, what? <laughs> what is happening? So uh, Harley doesn't manage to kill the Joker, but she does manage to damage his cell, which is bulletproof, but not very bulletproof. Because <laughs> there's big air holes in it like a fucking puppy. Joker is also becoming jealous of Deadshot because Harley says that Deadshot's her new man. Now... We then see Black Spider, the greatest villain in the DC universe, putting a bunch of forks in a microwave to cause an explosion. Now, Harley Quinn running around with a gun, no alert. A microwave exploding in the kitchen, yellow alert. <laughs> that yellow alert is actually important to the plot later, too. But yeah, the microwave is like, oh no, we can't make our microwave burritos! Panic! Alert! Alert! <laughs> Harley Quinn's got a gun. Ah, let him come. <laughs> we also have, they all wind up in a room to lift a big heavy grate to let King Shark swim in from the swimming pool under the asylum. I'm not really sure. A guard interrupts them and Harley, of course, distracts the guard by stripping. Yeah. Like, it's just so sleazy. And I don't mean on Harley's part, I mean on the filmmaker's part. Right. Yeah, it's just completely unnecessary. And did they, did they like, you know, incapacitate that guard some other way right after that? Or he's just, uh, he's seen a naked woman and now he's horny and he's done? Or, or... <laughs> he just gets so horny, he collapses. Uh, didn't, didn't, he, didn't he just be, wasn't he just like, oh my god, Harley Quinn, and then like, King Shark gets him or something? Yeah, King Shark eats him and or drowns him. Yeah. Can't it be both? Well, I mean, I, I see no reason for King Shark not to eat him. <laughs> it's kind of just his whole thing. Outside of the heist uh, mechanics of this movie, you could have just had King Shark swim underneath Arkham, and he's strong enough he could lift that grate, and he just pops in and eats the first guard he sees. You know, he doesn't need any of the others to help him in. No. And I don't know what that grating is. I mean, is it to the Arkham sewers? They just have hmm. a big open grate in a random room in the basement? Well, yeah, how else does Killer Croc escape on a regular basis? <laughs> it's it's Croc's door. That's the big aquatic door, because apparently there's just multiple giant aquatic monsters guys in this universe. <laughs> They've got, like, a ceiling trap door for when Killer Moth or Man Bat <laughs> want to escape. They just open it up for them. Yeah, it's like, oh, he's escaping. Open the sky letter. He's going to break a window. <laughs> Just let him out. He's just gonna hurt himself. He's like a bird stuck in your apartment or something. Just like, oh, just try and get, just try and him out. No, this way, this way, this way. We then get a scene of the team back in their supervillain outfits, having gotten out of their disguises they were in for five minutes. 
strolling through a corridor, you know, intimidating music plays, and it's supposed to be really badass. I just thought it really highlighted the animation looks weird. If this movie had come out a decade later, they would have definitely played that song from Kill Bill, uh, which I think they did in the <laughs> Mario movie. Oh my god. Spoilers. I'm not going to watch that movie. <laughs> the way they walk, I would say they walk like video game characters, but the video games have better animations. Like, it's all like they're smooth when they shouldn't be smooth, and it, the motions are all sharp when they shouldn't be sharp. It's difficult to explain without seeing it. I just... I kind of already mean... I was watching a bit of the, the movie again today, and there's one shot early on with Batman where he's pinning the Riddler against the wall, and it, almost, it like looks like the derpy Batman face meme. Like, I don't know what it is about. Like, he's got, like, blank eyes. It's like he's got, like, his bat vision on, I guess. So his eyes are all blank, and, like, the face just looks, like, so weird to me. I'm like, this looks goofy. Like, this doesn't look right. Hashtag not my Batman. Me, Batman. So... They break into a security room to set the cameras in the asylum to show old recorded footage. Weirdly, this wasn't part of the plan. It's only suggested by King Shark of all people. <laughs> I guess justifying why he's here. I guess he's the brains of the outfit, because I don't know what his... What was the plan at this point? Because they seem to break into the security room for no reason. Like, they know where they're going, and then they break in and go, Oh, we're in trouble now. They're gonna see we've broken into the security room. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess they just... I don't know why they would have wanted King Shark to be the one to suggest that plan, other than it's just like a, a beat to have like a goofy line, or I don't know. Deadshot then says they need to keep a low profile. So, of course, they start fighting with some guards. This is where Deadshot and Captain Boomerang have another pissing contest. Yeah, Deadshot insults Boomerang by calling him a C-lister, which I think makes him a higher tier than most of the team. <laughs> well, I mean, this is like them almost doing a fourth wall break, calling him a C-lister. But he is a C-lister. Right. They all are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they all are is the thing. Apart from Harley Quinn. But the thing is, these some of these are the losers of the losers. <laughs> we have Black Spider. Black Spider. Like, there are villains like, what's his name, Captain Rainbow or something. Like, a really weird Flash villains who have more of a profile than Black Spider. Maybe the actor got to choose it. Maybe he just knew, like, I want to be this character. And they're like, fuck it, put him in. Like, I wonder if there's a history reason there's a, they chose him specifically. He does Gus Fring. <laughs> yeah. Breaking Bad, huge role, catapults him straight into the A-list. DC come to him like, we want you for any anything you want, anything you want, we just want you. And he's like, Black Spider. Black Spider. They are actually doing something exactly like that in the Sony Pictures Spider-Man universe with Donald Glover, uh, who he, he called that he wanted to be the hypno-hustler in uh, that universe. And... It's to the point where, like, who the fuck is Hypno Hustler? <laughs> I've never heard of Hypno Hustler, but I'm down for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> Sony Spider-Man universe is madness. They're doing a uh, um, Madam Web movie. Yeah. Madam Web sits in a chair and berates Spider-Man. That's what Madam Web does. I believe Madam Web is even, like, canonically wheelchair-bound, right? Is that accurate? Like, she's, like, sure. paralyzed. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. so, you know, she's... 
she's cool for Spider-Man to talk to for 10 minutes when she reveals the plot of the movie Spider-Man's going to be in. But like, what is her movie? <laughs> <laughs> this is how I felt about the whole Sony verse in general. It's just like you're doing Venom without Spider-Man. Like, yeah. Isn't Spider-Man Venom's origin story? Like, that doesn't super check out, but okay. Yeah, and I mean, you know, DC is not without blame here, you know, with their Joker movie, with their sui- multiple Suicide Squad movies. You know, they're they're trying to, like, basically rob these villains of, of their reason to be by just putting them up against, I guess, cops, or I don't know, <laughs> I don't know who they fight. You know, the movies without the Batman or without Spider-Man in them, they just don't make sense to me. Well, in DC, it makes less sense because it's like, it, at least with Marvel, there was there was that dispute with Spider-Man and everything between Sony, yeah, and Disney, and then now that's resolved, and the, we've the the Sony versus like the remnant like shadow of that. But DC, you own all your shit. Just put the people in the movie together. <laughs> Just cast some people and put them in the movie. Just you got all the stories. You got plenty of great stories in the DC comics. The problem is, so this movie, you've got Kevin Conroy showing up for his, you know, 10 minutes of work or whatever, and that's fine, that's what he does, but then if you wanted to do a live action, the first Suicide Squad, you have to get Ben Affleck at that time, and you have to get him, and because you've got Ben Affleck, now you got to expand his role, and it's just, it becomes a big mess. I don't know why can't we just have, like, one-offs where it's just like, yeah, it's just like the DC movies, like the animated ones, we just cast different people. To wear the costume. It's not connected. It's just a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Everything has to be a big universe now. Well, and that's why I think the animated ones work better, whether they get the same cast back or not. You know, the voice part of it can be you can you can put your own spin on it to where, you know, it's it's different for that role. But it's not a big deal that you didn't get the same exact people every time. Speaking of completely superfluous appearances, we cut to Batman apprehending Victor Saz, who's in this movie. <laughs> yeah, this is his first animated appearance. Really? Every time I see Victor Saz, nobody knows seems to know what to do with him because he is so weird in Batman because he's just a serial killer. Yeah, he is just a normal serial killer who... I mean, not normal, but serial killers aren't normal, wait. <laughs> but yeah, they, he just usually shows up to get punched by Batman. So Batman arrests him, then Batman communicates with Alfred, and he's puzzling over Harley's appearance earlier. (laughs) As you've been alluding to, he checks the security footage from Arkham and notices that specific guards shouldn't be working that day. Yeah, he's he's like, Harley Quinn, it almost seemed like she wanted to get arrested, which is also what he says about Joker at the beginning of Arkham Asylum. It's like, I don't know, it seems weird, like he wanted to get arrested. And so then he's like, well, I don't know. There was a yellow alert at at Arkham today. I better check the security cameras. Oh, wait, Johnson's there. He only works Thursdays. Today's Friday. (laughs) Yeah, and and that goes back to what I was saying before about him being a psychopath. Like, he he is so psychotic. (laughs) He knows the guard schedule, the weekly rotation of the guards at Arkham. Why would he need to know that? I just think that just leads you to believe that there's not that many people that work there and it's completely run and completely incompetently. And here's my question. Has Batman ever launched a full raid on Arkham Asylum because guard Brian got called in to do overtime? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, these these two guards switch shifts. Oh my God, there's Batman. (laughs) 
where's the Joker? <laughs> You're not supposed to be here just punching. Steve called in sick, Batman. <laughs> Someone had to cover. The team reached the storage area for the prisoner's property, which appears to be the warehouse from the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It is. Where they just have like a warehouse full of just every single prop ever used by any of these supervillains. Uh, yeah, while Harley goes to the Joker crate, you see the mask the Joker wore in the Dark Knight and the Joker fish from Batman the Animated Series. Everything is in this warehouse, <laughs> including a rocket launcher. Batman arrives and some fighting occurs. A movie does the same gag from the games where Batman just effortlessly defeats Harley. You know, she does a big charge up with the hammer and then he just knocks her aside. Which was funny when I saw it in the game. Not funny when I see it just repeated. <laughs> just the thing again. In a slightly um, more obscure cameo, perhaps, we also see the electrocutioner's gloves from Arkham Origins when Batman fights King Shark. Now, are these the, the knuckle uh, electro things that he, yeah. he equips in a minute? Yes. He, he needs them for King Shark, and as you're, I'm sure you're about to point out, he 100% electrocutes King Shark in the dick. <laughs> I didn't notice that. <laughs> yeah, I, had to, I had to go back and, and go frame by frame because I was like, did he just punch him in the dick? And he did. <laughs> <laughs> he punched him in the dick. He punched him in the dick with electro gloves. Yeah, that's that's the only way that he takes him out because because he's kind of like he's punching him at first just regular. Then he puts those on and he's he's punching him and, and it's starting to phase King Shark, but not fully take him out. Then he just punches him right in the dick and he's like he goes down. Killer Frost also kicked him in the dick earlier. So that's just the thing. You just kick Killer Shark in the dick. It's a thing. Yeah, that's that's his weak spot. It's been established. It's his weak spot, yeah. It's his Achilles dick. <laughs> Achilles dick. <laughs> Alfred, there's only one way I can defeat this many villains at once. I'm going to have to punch a lot of dicks. Are you going to punch him in the dick, sir? I'm going to punch him in the dick, Alfred. <laughs> I went back and I looked up the Arkham Origins suit, and I it will say it does look like he's got more like buckles and like rivets, but it's not like it is in the film where it's like bolted. So maybe they're trying to expand it. Again, this is just not in, it's just not in that universe. Oh, there's the electrocutioner's gloves. It's, it's a different electrocutioner. It's not set there, okay? It's like one reference. I'm tilted. <laughs> so, most of the team escape while Batman fights Black Spider. Then, to the Suicide Squad amazement, Black Spider emerges from the smoke. I'm going to spoil it because there's no point. I guessed it immediately while watching it. It's not yeah. Black Spider, it's Batman in disguise. Now, this implies in a space of a few seconds, Batman stripped himself and Black Spider, yep. switched their clothing, and then learned how to impersonate Black Spider's voice. <laughs> I mean, they fully missed an opportunity to show off uh, a naked dude, you know, do sort of uh, the same thing as as Harley Quinn and Killer Frost, uh, but for the, for the ladies out there. And for me. The team then realized there's no thumb drive in Riddler's cane, just as Killer Frost sneaks off to kill Riddler. Now... Riddler reveals the real reason Waller wants him dead is that he figured out how to disarm Waller's neck bombs. So Waller, genius strategist, sent a bunch of people with neck bombs 
to kill the only man who can disable the netball. <laughs> Guess what immediately happens? Hey, want me to disable your neck bombs? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We get um, some more of a joker. He escapes from the cell from using the damage Harley caused. He menaces some guards doing generic <laughs> joker stuff. I'm a menace, yeah. He gets a gun and an outfit. Now, the police SWAT team raid the asylum at this point. The asylum is still on yellow alert. From the burrito explosion in the microwave earlier. Oh, yeah, yeah. That They've also noticed a bunch of guards are dead, but the SWAT team has to go in to investigate what the hell's happening in that kitchen. Well, they got to reserve red for when the inmates actually break out. Although, maybe <laughs> they... Do they not know Joker's out yet? <laughs> Apparently they just don't... Oh, yeah, because they're playing yesterday's footage, so nobody's, like, looking at the cell. Just looks like he's standing there doing Joker shit. Well, they're, they're actually watching Joker kill guards right next to them, and then they look at the footage and go, No, he's still in his cell. This must be, uh... Scarecrow's fear toxin, that's what this is. <laughs> I figured it out. Fortunately for the team, King Shark is just plain bulletproof, so the police have no impact. There's a bit of thing about King Shark is scared of heights, so Killer Frost has to guide him. That's more, you know, tension between the two of them, which we've said goes absolutely nowhere. Guide me in, Mr. Smithers. I mean, I think at this point, I finally... I was I was very much like this is a useless pairing, um, you know, with like unnecessary sexual chemistry, but like a little bit on board. I was like, okay, I could kind of see where you're going, but it was just like, as you said, like completely pointless. Yeah, it doesn't go anywhere. Like, like they have a little bit of trust, so he trusts her, I guess, because they have sexual chemistry. Yeah, and he's afraid of it's just all like so nothing. <laughs> Ritter's plan is to use the electroshock treatment chairs in the asylum to short out the neck bombs before Waller figures out what's going on. Batman, as Black Spider, offers to stand guard while Riddler shocks the team. Waller <laughs> finally announces the asylum has gone to red alert. We've inched over that line, and she's also decided she's had enough of their shenanigans and pushes the head-exploding <laughs> button. Oh, the other thing back on that Waller shot is is she's got a map of, of where her explosive trackers are, and you can see one of them yeah. is in a completely different room, and that's the like clue that clearly that is not Black Spider in there. Well, also the fact that he's like, nah, I'm good with having a bomb in my neck. I'm just going to stand guard. So most of the team are fine having had their bombs shorted out, except King Shark, who just dies. Who just fucking dies. Anti-climatically, like Killer Frost, not particularly bothered. Nobody's really bothered. Riddler just says his skin was too thick and that's why it didn't work. So King Shark, dead now. Oh well. Uh, speaking of dead, Joker encounters Black Spider dressed as Batman and is about to shoot him when his head explodes. Joker says, Denzel, what have they done to you? which I guess is funny because Black Spider is black and Denzel Washington is also black. Oh, yeah. Uh, this Joker is such a great guy. Oh, my God. So charming and quippy. Black people look the same, I guess. 
So I guess he's misogynist and a racist. Great. Thanks, yep. the Joker. If they're going to really make you hate this guy, I, I guess those are two reasons to, to do so. No, I just kind of hate the writer is the problem. <laughs> right. <laughs> the Suicide Squirrel then noticed that their black spider has not exploded despite not having his neck bomb disarmed. In a completely baffling sequence, Batman somehow gets out of a black spider disguise and into a Batman outfit complete with cow right in front of the Suicide Squad. <laughs> like, oh my God, it's Bruce Wayne. He showed up to Arkham with two cowls. <laughs> like, perhaps in his utility belt, he's he's got a backup cowl, but I'm like, come on. Does he have like flash tech where you can just like expand a suit out of like a little capsule or something? Like, that's the only explanation here. You see, like, the bat spikes on his arms spring out. <laughs> but that implies that Batman has a black spider outfit that is convertible into a Batman outfit. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad I brought my black spider that turns into a bat suit today. I think we've seen this once or twice before in other bat media where... He is so crazy that he's got his mask on underneath some other mask. I mean, for instance, actually, I was going to mention uh, this kind of is similar to the Almost Got Him episode of Batman the Animated Series, where he's dressed as Killer Croc the whole episode, and he takes off his Killer Croc mask to reveal he's wearing Batman mask. Uh, which, you know, that's that's part of the like the the through line of like Batman's real identity is Batman. It's not Bruce Wayne. Bruce Wayne is the disguise he puts on for the public, but he is Batman. But Black Spider has tight armor <laughs> all over his body. It's completely form fitting. And somehow Batman fit an entire bat suit, <laughs> I guess up his arse while in disguise. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's one spot for it. <laughs> Speaking of arses, Joker arrives to the fight between Batman and Suicide Squad and announces himself by saying, I'm here, bitches. Yeah, this is just a bad, this is just like the worst friend. It's the worst line in this entire film. I'm here, bitches. It's so, ugh. There's various explosions and fighting. Joker shoots Batman a couple of times, which Batman just... I guess, forgets he got shot later in the film. And then the rest of the Suicide Squad run away from the Joker, and then somehow Joker appears ahead of them again. Not sure how he did that. Joker wants to shoot Deadshot, but then Deadshot bluffs and claims Joker's gun is empty. So Joker shoots it into the air to prove it's not empty, and Deadshot gets a sucker punch on him. Now... I actually kind of like that. It's a pretty good scene. Yeah, it's pretty fun. He outcrazies the Joker, as I think somebody there says. Uh, Harley Quinn, I believe. Joker and Harley flee down a laundry chute. The team then find a bunch of riot cops aimlessly milling around a large open room in a stunning display of why crime is so rife in Gotham. Seems to be a lot of guards just loitering in this place and not really guarding anything. Okay, men, there's been a mass prison break. I want you all to stand in the middle of this wide-open room, about two meters apart, and then just kind of wildly look around. Like, point your weapons at each other while you're doing it. That's fine. 
it just looks so well it's cartoonish but it is a cartoon (laughs) (laughs) in the laundry room joker reveals that harley's cartoon large hammer which she earlier retrieved from the asylum property room in fact conceals joker's dirty bomb did you remember joker has a dirty bomb (laughs) remember that thread and the bomb was within the mallet inside of Arkham? Is that where those yep. props were stored? Yep. So why didn't they run that through a scanner of some kind to confirm it has a bomb before they put it in storage? Yeah, they won't let a they won't let a dead body into the morgue, but they'll let Harley Quinn's hammer into storage without giving it a scan with that magic temperature detecting x-ray. Well, the thing is, the Dirty Bomb is Joker's property, and it would be wrong for them to steal from someone. Mm. So they carefully packaged it up and put it in storage. So when Joker's released from Arkham Asylum, he gets his Dirty Bomb back. I mean, that that's very considerate of them. Also, Harley knew it was there the entire time and says she was keeping it safe for him. So I guess Harley Quinn is just in on it. I think she was talking about the hammer, because she's just like, give me the hammer, and she's like, I kept it safe for you. And she's like, yeah, don't care, want the bomb. She's also playing both sides, I think. A little bit, because she's still in love with Joker. That, but also I think as soon as she realizes that Joker's got the upper hand, she's like, well, okay, I gotta count out of this guy. But you'd think that would go somewhere, which in other Joker Harley Quinn things it does, but now when Harley meets back up with the Joker from now on, she's just the Joker's henchwoman again. Is she uh, fully a henchwoman in Arkham Asylum, the game? Because it could be like, okay, this is the status quo we've got to reestablish. Yeah, she was basically, she's completely loyal to him throughout those games. So Batman encounters the Suicide Squad or what remains of it and asks about the whereabouts of Joker. Where did he go? (laughs) Where's Rachel? (laughs) Deadshot responds, he and Harley took their mallet and disappeared. Deadshot has no idea of the bombs in the mallet and has no reason to mention it. (laughs) Batman then, in a feat of bat logic worthy of the 1966 series, decides the bomb is hidden in the mallet. (laughs) Does he get out his shark spray next? He might as well have. <laughs> For King Shark. I better get my anti-mallet bat suit. <laughs> I mean, the, the only way this would make sense is if Batman, like, whipped out the screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently Deadshot also had the screenplay, because he's like, You're, you, want, you want the mallet, right, Batman? He's like, ah, the mallet. Yeah, that's what I want. Thanks, Deadshot. Turn to right and exit through door. I mean, uh... <laughs> <laughs> In another nod to the Arkham Asylum games, Joker appears on a TV screen. In a way that completely ruins it, though, he decides to make a really sleazy joke about gonorrhea. Uh, Charming. I hate this guy. (laughs) Nobody likes this Joker. This is the worst Joker. And I thought Jared Leto had that sewn (laughs) up entirely. Joker then pulls a single lever which is apparently wired to every cell in Arkham and releases every prisoner at once. (laughs) It includes Bane. Bane is hooked up to his Titan Formula backpack thing and that is ready to be pumped into him as soon as his cell opens. Why do they have that rigged up in Arkham? That doesn't make... (laughs) Wouldn't Bane, like... In some depictions of him, don't they have him, like, 
like he he is sick or whatever without that like is is it kind of like they need to wean him off of it maybe yeah i think that's the conceit because yeah once he started using it he's addicted to it titan is extremely titan venom i think it's just this island being considerate because like well we have to deprive him of some liberty while he's in here but the moment he's released he'll want his super steroids again (laughs) <laughs> a record as soon as his cell opens, he gets his super steroids right into him. You're a free man, Bane. And we have to put Poison Ivy in a greenhouse, because, you know, that would just be cruel to not, not have her near her plants. Again, nod to the game, because in Arkham Asylum, she takes over the Asylum greenhouse. Right. Yeah, and in the games, they actually do lock her in, like, a special cell. Like, because she's got pheromones and stuff, they can't just put her in a normal cage. Various Batman villain fighting happens. I'm not going to dwell on the fight scenes. (laughs) (laughs) Fighting happens. (laughs) Captain Boomerang, Deadshot, and Killer Frost decide to steal a police helicopter, but then just arbitrarily start betraying each other to get to the helicopter first. This includes Boomerang trying to kill Deadshot while Deadshot is piloting the (laughs) helicopter. They could just get on it and fly away. And it would be fine. Deadshot knocks Boomerang out the helicopter and flies off. Killer Frost gets in a cop car, but then Bane picks it up and throws it into a cliff and it explodes. So I guess Killer Frost is dead. Yeah, she's just dead, I think. I was like, wait, is she just gone? And like, are they going to cut to her crawling out? And then they just don't. (laughs) I'm like, oh shit, I guess she's just dead. Batman defeats Bane using the explosive gel from the games. Though, for some reason, they've decided to colour it pink, so it looks like Bane is defeated by bubblegum. <laughs> I got my bat bubblegum, Bane's weakness. Commissioner Gordon is there and declares he's got the situation under control, which appears to be a wildly optimistic statement. <laughs> you have nothing under control and you'll <laughs> like it! <laughs> Poison Ivy has an army of zombies and is unleashing Audrey 2 from Little Shop of Horrors on the cops. And <laughs> Commissioner Gordon's like, nah, I think we're fine here, Batman. <laughs> yeah, you could probably go home, Batman. Hey, uh, Bill, you want to get me some coffee? Yeah, you can go home, Batman. This is fine. We're just going to shoot the zombies. Sure enough, in the middle of all this chaos, Batman notices the helicopter, then uses his tech vision to see there's two heartbeats on the helicopter. Which is wrong, by the way, because there are three people on the helicopter. (laughs) And then Batman decides in the middle of a prison riot with a dirty bomb in play that he's going to hunt down this helicopter. That's gotta be an explicit reference to the detective vision, because you can see, like, their heart rates and stuff. And who's on the helicopter at this point? Was one of them Killer Frost? Or... No, it's it's Deadshot, Joker, and Harley uh, Quinn. Oh, okay. But Batman only sees two heartbeats. Because the heartbeat, if it was if it was Killer Frost, that would make sense, but it's not. Well, maybe <laughs> it's, like, uh, Arkham City, and spoilers for Arkham City, maybe it's Clayface, huh? Mm. Ever think of that? Maybe Joker's Clayface in this scene. This is why Joker is so awful. They could all be Clayface. Everyone is Clayface. <laughs> that would explain. Everyone's out of character because it's Clayf. It's like this, like a dozen Clayfaces running around. I think at this point. <laughs> you know what? This movie could be kind of like how uh, Rose, your your theory about um, Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes is a a recreation from Otacon's <laughs> Drunk at a Bar point no. of view. This could be this could be Clayface's version of events, and we're just watching a Clayface play. <laughs> Clayface 
a bar telling, like, I was there, man. I was the Joker once. I'll tell you the story about when I was the Joker. And they're like, oh, yeah, what's one of your big Joker jokes? And he goes, ah, I'm here, bitches. <laughs> exactly. I'm the Joker. I'm misogynistic. Um, I will say in this movie, though, again, uncharacteristically of the Joker, he actually kind of, like, stands his own. He does this cool thing with a hook and throws Deadshot around. Like, Deadshot's no slouch. He could, like, go toe-to-toe, like, in CQC with Batman. And here's Joker. Give him a little bit of trouble, pulling a knife on him, cutting him up a little bit. Like, Joker normally just gets, like, punched in the gut and cries. Joker is stick-thin in this film. Deadshot is, like jacked up and i do not buy joker being able to like get a single punch on him he's like using the hook to like throw him around it's like you don't have the weight to leverage his weight like that like what do you do that's not how physics work my guy you're not you're a guy you're a sickly clown guy joker and harley quinn have somehow i guess they've acquired teleportation got onto the chopper as well Harley is left to pilot while Deadshot and Joker fight, but she crashes into a skyscraper, leaving the helicopter jutting out of a broke plate glass window. Batman only saves Harley Quinn. Yes, although we get Batman fighting Harley Quinn, but um, we there's a really bad line from her, which is along the lines of, I know he beats me up, but you're the only one who hurts me. And it's like, no. Oh, that's going to be a yikes from me. Deadshot throws the Joker back into the helicopter and knocks it off the edge. Batman disarms the dirty bomb with one second left because of tropes. Batman looks over to see Joker falling to his death. Me, the smart viewer, thought, oh, now Batman saves Joker as he always does thus setting up the beginning of Batman Asylum, where Batman has just arrested the Joker. Mm. Instead, Batman watches completely impassively as Joker falls to the ground and the helicopter explodes. So I guess Batman decided this is one of the random times where he can't kill, but he doesn't have to save. (laughs) Yeah, your explanation would have made a lot more sense because, yeah, I do recall from my brief playing of uh, Arkham Asylum that, yeah, that's how it begins. He's bringing Joker to justice. Apparently it's supposed to be a reference to the ending of Batman 1989 and he falls in a similar way and then his body is never found kind of thing. I saw that trivia thing, and if it is a reference, it's a really weak one, because it's like, yeah, both involve some falling off buildings, but the situations are so different. If they're saying it's a reference, it's a reference because Joker falls off things. (laughs) Joker falls off a building. Oh, that Joker, he's always falling off things. (laughs) No Joker thing. It's his catchphrase. What's up, bitches? Let me fall off this building. Ah. (laughs) Did somebody say fall off buildings? (laughs) We get our final scene. Batman is just walking into Waller's office. Batman amazingly just walking through her door. In the middle of the day. And she looks up and is just like, oh, it's just you. Like, what? (laughs) And he declares that his Suicide Squad plan all along was to kill the Riddler, that she wanted to distract everyone with the rest of the squad while Killer Frost killed the Riddler. And Waller and Batman agree at this point. This was a terrible plan. 
Waller says, I break a lot of eggs to make an omelette. Batman calls her a messy cook, and then Wallers admits she was careless. So, like, they're just not even hiding it. If her plan was to kill the Riddler, she'd done it in the worst way possible. <laughs> yeah, even Batman's like, you could have literally just paid, like, Victor to do it. <laughs> you probably <laughs> yes. just could have, like, put them in the same room together. He would have done it. So, Batman demands an end to Waller's activities, and Waller laughs that off. And then Batman completely impotently says, I'm warning you, and then leaves. Yeah. Oh, see, I got a fully different read on that. I, maybe it's just because of the Conroy of it all, but I, I got, like, goosebumps from him saying that. But the thing is, he's already demanded she stop, and then she's like, no, I'm not going to stop. <laughs> and then he's like, mm, well, you'd better. <laughs> <laughs> Just like, well, I'm more slowly packing out. I'm warning you. <laughs> they must have forgot that Batman has his ability to just, you know, exit a conversation mid mid somebody else talking because that's like one of his best moves. And they just didn't do that. They instead wrote the I'm warning you line. Well, he does do that. Waller spins around in her chair and then Batman's disappeared. Yeah, she says something snarky and turns back and it's an empty room and she's like, punk. So it's kind of just uh, overwritten then for, for your typical yeah. Batman disappear. I just find it like he's playing cards with Waller and he goes all in with <laughs> nothing. And then Waller calls him and then Batman's like, My cards are pretty good. So you might want to think about yeah, that. You may have won, but I'm watching you. Smoke bump. <laughs> <laughs> We have then a final bit where a red dot appears on Waller's forehead and we see Deadshot is aiming a sniper rifle on her. He then says, bang. Well, he, he says that throughout the movie. Also, his child is there. Yeah, I, I guess like it, the, his emotional arc is he finally got to take his kids on the hit. <laughs> on a take your daughter to work day? Did he shoot her? Who knows? I don't think the movie does. <laughs> no, because the movie doesn't want to do anything. It doesn't want to say anything. This movie doesn't need to exist. Why does this movie exist? Apparently, like, the canonical to the Arkham Games explanation is that Batman saves Waller. I mean, he was just there. He's, like, looking into the window, still like, wait, is that a laser dot? Wait, is that dead shot? Oh, God damn it! I was gonna go home. This is a bit of a tangent. Deadshot should be the most effective villain in the Batman rogues gallery because the rest of them all try to meet him intellectually or fist fight him. Deadshot, to achieve his goals, just needs to stand a mile away with a gun. Yeah, all he has to do is organize a little bit of crime and stand there and shoot him in the back of the head and it should be over. And, and he's also great at planning the, the ricochets of a bullet you know, to where he can do multiple ricochets and hit his target. They even show that in this movie with the random uh, darts scene in the bar. Like, he, he could do it from anywhere. But somehow Batman, I guess, just anticipates that there is going to be a sniper rifle in play <laughs> at any given situation. Oh, well, that was, must have been his beefed-up armor. He knew Deadshot was going to be part of this, so he, he was rocking body armor the whole movie. He's just got sniper awareness. He just knows when he's being scoped. His bat suit's <laughs> like, you're being looked at through a scope, sir. We get then the end credits music, which is ordinary orchestral superhero music, 
with occasional dubstep sounds. <laughs> Someone was having a real phase when they wrote the score for this. What did you think of Batman Assault on Arkham? Batman Assault on My Senses? It was fine. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't mind it. Um, I mean, this, like I said, this is the, I want to say the fourth or fifth Suicide Squad exact same story that I've seen at this point. And so it's kind of like, okay, I've seen this. But it was, outside of the JLU cartoon, the first real, like, introduction to the suicide squad to you know home viewer audiences not so much comic readers but it did feel completely superfluous to me but also since i didn't play the games it didn't seem out of place whereas to you both it may have seemed like completely ill-fitting like you were saying all along yeah the suicide squad stuff really if like in terms of the game like I didn't even know about that hint at Origins, and I like the Arkham Origins game. I played that one arguably a lot less than the rest, but there's a Suicide Squad hint in that, I guess. But outside of that, they're not really a thing in the universe. So it's like, it's so out of left field be like, and this connects Arkham Origins to Arkham Asylum. Not really. The weird thing is, the Suicide Squad are going to be part of the games, because the next Arkham game oh. is a Suicide Squad game. Yeah, don't remind me. I don't want to think about it. It's a live service game with, like, loot and stuff. I don't want to think about it. Is that game not out yet? I, I thought it was already out. It's not out. Gotham Knights is out. It's been delayed again. Oh. I have to say, this isn't the worst film I've seen for this podcast. Joysticks is going to be a hard <laughs> one to top. That's true. This movie annoyed me the most, though. I completely empathize with this anonymous IMDb commenter. This film does not make sense. If you ever do watch the uh, DC animated movie universe series of movies, the Hell to Pay, Suicide Squad Hell to Pay basically is the same thing as this. But, you know, it just it fits into that continuity. They're doing a whole lot better than uh than this it's there for a reason like it's a good film on its own and also plays into the greater narrative that's going on between all these movies where this one it's literally built to be a bridge of a narrative and it doesn't do that so rose do you have anything you'd like to plug uh no not really uh together rose on twitter that's it daniel yourself yeah, um, uh, as always, you can check out my music on Spotify and Bandcamp. Um, I'll say my artist name. It's Dweeb Yorthst, and I know that's going to be quite a pain to spell, but I'm sure there's a place you can find that spelled out for you, or you can always search for me by searching hotdog.jpg into Google, and you'll get my weird remix of the King of the Hill uh, line from a ran- <laughs> random episode uh, that for some reason has like 3 million views almost on YouTube. I, I don't understand why it has such long legs, but that's cool with me. That is one of those things I saw before I met you. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> now at this point, I've just realized I've got a typo in my script here. So I've written same bat time, same cat channel. And I think that works because 
instead of ever watching this movie, just go and watch them cat videos. <laughs> it it would be a better Batman experience. <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of videos on YouTube of cats dressed as Batman just being cute, and that'll probably be a better Batman experience, because, yeah, this is not a Batman movie. I'm surprised Catwoman didn't make an appearance. Well, I mean, that would involve having more women. I, I think that the filmmakers were nervous enough with three women. Can you imagine? They could not cope if there were four women <laughs> in one film? There's a bunch of women in the room when Joker says, what's up, bitches, then it's a lot more offensive all of a sudden, right? Yeah. <laughs> So you can't have that. Oh, they could just all be clay-faced. <laughs>